Welcome to the inner world of filmmaking. I'm your host, Tammy McGarrow. I'm an editor, podcaster, and still photographer. In this show, I will interview filmmakers in all facets of production and distribution. I'm so excited to have Brett Wynn, the co-founder and creative director of The Refinery, one of Hollywood's largest trailer studios, to talk about his new course, The Art of the Trailer. Welcome, Brett. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to dive into the trailer. But first, I'd like to dive into who are you? So would you like to um, share your journey of how you became an editor and then ultimately landing in movie trailers? Do you want the, the extended version or the abridged version? The abridged version would be nice. <laughs> and then we'll dive into the course. <laughs> we'll, do the, we'll do the trailerized version yeah. of my career. How about that? I love that. Uh, so I went to film school uh, in Ithaca, New York. And I found that I had a real love for editing amongst filmmaking in general. And so when I moved out to Los Angeles, I actually wanted to be a producer, but I had a lot of skill sets in editing uh, and somehow found my way to FX Networks when they launched um, just as a production assistant. Um, and as I grew there, I started to write and produce and go to editing sessions for the promos for, for Fox On Air promotion or FX On Air promotion. And that ultimately led me to Fox on air promotion, where I started as like a post-production producer and eventually made my way to a writer producer, which led me to a small boutique agency called Studio City, uh, where I was a writer, producer, editor, the triple threat, the predator, as yeah. I like to call them. Uh, and from there, I built a, a nice career and a, a good body of work and then landed at Trailer Park which primarily did trailers at the time, and I landed there to start a broadcast promo division, which I got off the ground and got rolling and then got usurped into trailers, which is actually where my heart and soul was. Um, so I teed up the the promo division and then kind of let them go off to the races to pursue full-time uh, theatrical trailers. And so I did that for about six years, and then I somehow ended up at Disney Studios as a, a vice president of creative advertising, where I worked on campaigns like Bolt and Wally and Swing Vote and uh, numerous others, and ultimately found that I liked being on the creative side of the fence more than the studio side of the fence. Um, and as I was trying to figure out what to do, I teamed up with my now partners, Adam Waldman and Brad Hochberg, who we had met at Trailer Park, and they were the print guys at Trailer Park and had left to kind of pursue their own venture in the refinery, and I joined them. Uh, in 2008. And so we've been in business now for, was that, 16, 15, 16 years. Um, we've got about 170 employees. We have an office in Sherman Oaks at the Galleria. Wow. And um, yeah, it's been it's been a wild, wild ride. And uh, I'm super excited to now be here to help teach a course in trailer editing. Yeah. And I wanted to dive into, because in your course, you talk about the concept deck or the brief. I'm just curious, like, how do you approach creating the brief or concept deck for your clients? I mean, do you watch the film? Like, what's your process? Well, it's interesting. When we're actually doing creative briefs or decks, uh, sometimes they are actually provided to us by a strategic team at a studio or a streaming service or broadcast. Um, if we do it, a lot of times it's just coming from scripts. Um, the decks, the pitch decks that get brought in are usually before they've shot anything most often. Uh, and so we're really, you know, trying to read through a script, sort out how would we market this? Who is the audience? What are the storylines we like? What do we think this is going to look and feel like? 
And so a lot of times we'll, we'll kind of group them into buckets. And so if we do a pitch deck for a client on, let's say a 360 campaign where we're working on print and digital and AV traditional trailers and TV spots, um, we'll try to group it in some sort of big idea or big concept and then flow everything down from there. And a lot of times if we're pitching, we'll actually do at least three of those, uh, which makes our pitch decks pretty large. Yeah. Well, and I loved how you took us through how to do it and your thoughts going into it. And also, I was just kind of curious, like, what's your process to storytelling and then of finding the essentials to tell in the story without giving it away in the trailer, as sometimes that happens? That's a great question and one of our greatest criticisms of, of trailer editors. And I want to state for the record, I can say this with almost ultimate guarantee that no trailer editor wants to give away everything in a trailer. Right. The thing, trailer editors are artists, and I think a lot of times we want to craft a cool story, and if anything, I think we'd like to tell less. Right. Um, but on the studio side, you know, everyone's um, trying to guarantee a big opening or, or, or a success of a show or series or movie. Um, and so a lot of times they'll put the trailers through testing, and testing has, you know, is trying to find quantifiable details about your trailer that, that can then lead to like how well it would score, how much you understand and, and know about a movie. And for better or for worse, the higher the score usually comes from telling you more of the story, giving more of what the movie's really about. So that if I answer a series of questions after watching the trailer and I score high, it means the trailer was successful in conveying what the film or series is about. Sometimes... Uh, they have a tendency to go too far, right? Because we're trying to get that number up. Yeah. Um, and so it, it often happens that that people feel we give away too much. On the other hand, people are like, why'd you give away the best jokes? And I, my response is, well, if I gave you the worst jokes, you wouldn't be interested in seeing the movie. Right, yes. Yeah. So, same thing with the best scenes, right? It's like, would this Mission Impossible film that just came out be anything without that motorcycle jump? Right. Well, right. yeah. Yeah. And there's just so much like sometimes you don't get the full film. Like you were saying, you get the right. dailies, which may or may not even go in the film. So you're really having to create the story, I would think. Yeah, I would say uh, trailer from dailies uh, is definite uh, a next level challenge for an editor, because now you not only have to visualize what you want your trailer to, to be, but you're also visualizing what you think the film's going to be, because it's really tough to tell from dailies because as you know right. you can put a scene together 70 million different ways yep um so you're really guessing and by the way you're also not sure which takes the director liked or didn't like uh, a lot of times they'll do multiple lines that you don't know which one they're going to choose um so it's a challenge a lot of times i think that our teaser you know a lot of the, the in a campaign there might be a teaser trailer which shows less and then a follow-up trailer which shows more and so usually by the time you do a full trailer, you've got at least an assembly cut of the feature. It's usually not from dailies at so, that point. So the teaser and then the full trailer, where would the teaser go? So the teaser would go uh, in theaters the same way a trailer would go. Okay. Uh, and a teaser could vary in length. I think the idea with a teaser is a lot of times, and we're, if we're just talking about theatrical now, but I guess it could apply to series two, if there's a target, if we want to make sure, at, like the Super Bowl would be perfect, right? And let's say that Tom Cruise has the next Mission Impossible. It's not coming out to the summer, but he wants to tease it in the Super Bowl. 
but they don't have that much footage shot yet. And so, okay, how do we create something that's going to tease the audience? We don't have a lot to work with. We have pieces of something. And a lot of times you'll see uh, when you see a teaser for something and it's just the main title in a cool graphic design, that's usually because there there isn't anything shot yet. But we want something to tease the audience that it's coming. And so whenever that falls in the timeline of production is how much we can or can't show from the week because you just might not have it. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. And sometimes it's just even a little bit of dialogue. Yes. And then sometimes it's just a scene, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the thing that I think trailer editors love is that the idea of a true teaser is not giving away something. It might just be a montage. It might be a single scene. It might be a little bit of everything. And I think as an artist, we love that because that's actually where we really get to play with the the clay and sculpt something out of what we don't know necessarily what it's going to be, but it's something to entice you and tease you. And uh, and on the flip side, a lot of times people look at teasers and they seem very simple and it almost seems like no one even had to cut it, you know? Right. So like <laughs> they take the most work and sometimes yield the least um, praise as far as the editor goes, even though it takes a lot of courage, you know, to go out confident, even if you're just cutting one scene. And I would say that most times, even if it's just a scene, that scene has been edited in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And and music design and sound effects. I mean, it's just like the whole package that makes it so compelling is so interesting. And when, um, so let's go into your course, uh, yeah. The Art of the Trailer. I mean, I I watched it all. It was wonderful. I learned so much. And some of the important stuff is just as simple as lingo. Just yes. like what words do you use? How do you say certain things for certain things? So I thought that was great. Um, also working with a client. I mean, you have sound, music, um, you have storytelling, concept. It's just so wonderful. So I was just kind of curious, like what made you want to do the course? Create this course, this wonderful course. Um, well, look, I mean, I've certainly been cutting trailers for a long time, but there are a lot of people who are way better at it than I am. I will say that. I mean, it's it's like any art form, right? I look around and I see trailers cut. I'm like, man, whoever cut that is brilliant. I wish I had those chops. Um, but what we found is the company's growing and we're constantly grooming, you know, up and coming editors. Um, I was trying to come up with a way that kind of streamlined my thought process and and was there some sort of tangible way to say, hey, what makes a, a trailer good? What makes a trailer worthy what makes it work and can we dissect that in a way that is palatable to someone as they're learning because they're also struggling with learning premiere or avid and how do i put something together and how do i work with music and so um i had already been thinking about that when nick lang approached me as they were coming up with train robber and this idea and so it was kind of everything just happened at once he he said i'm looking for something about trailers do you have anything in mind i'm like it's so funny i just came up with this outline of what I think makes a great trailer. And, and you know, I came up with five things. And if you look at trailers and they are successful at all five things, they're probably award-worthy. And they it isn't rocket science, right? I feel like um, when you really break it down, they, they actually seemed overly simplified when I said them out loud. And at the same time, I feel like, you know, sometimes we just need it spoon-fed in a way that's like, yeah, of course that makes sense. I just didn't think about it that way. And we've recently, after doing the course, implemented like a, a kind of a worksheet for our staff that asks a series of questions in each of the categories, right? So um, 
is the storytelling successful? Does it, and then we do a deeper dive. Does it have a beginning, middle and end? Does it, you know, does it feel like it has a two act or three act structure that's very clear and delineated? Um, when we talk about music, uh, is the music emotionally engaging? Is the music well executed? Is it cut well to the music? Do we feel like this piece could not exist without this piece of music? Um, we talk about motion graphics. Are the graphics doing something besides giving me a message? Are they creating a, a mood or a feel or a tone that's additive to what the film or series is? Uh, we talk about editorial technique. Is there a technique or style to the editing that's engaging and riveting and makes me remember what you're doing? How are you cutting it to the music? Uh, what are the accents? Do I feel a rhythm and a cadence that makes sense to me? Because I feel like there is a language in, in storytelling in trailer form in two and a half minutes or less. And it really is a, a rhythm that people can only process a certain amount of information at a time. And it's usually a few seconds before I need an accent and a, a, a moment to breathe, right? Because um, if I'm giving a, a piece of information and, and I can't don't have enough time to process it, then the next piece of information I give you won't mean anything. And so there is this art of the trailer, which is kind of riding the wave between giving you a piece of information and then accenting it so you remember it, giving you a beat to digest, jumping into the next moment. Um, and then lastly was copy, which even today, I feel like there are five things. Today, maybe it's four and a half because I find a lot of trailers today, we're not using as much copy as we once did. Um, in fact, uh, the copy, uh, copy still being used, voiceovers being used less and less and less, unless it's a short form piece. But, you know, audiences change over the years. And I think what we're finding is with the influx of media in today's society, uh, audiences are are privy to that idea of feeling sold to and they don't want to be sold to. They want, just give me give me the meat. Give me what this thing's about. Give me a flavor so I can decide for myself. I don't need to be sold this idea of like, this is the movie you simply cannot miss, which is what we used to do, right? Right. Uh, um, and today's audiences are smart. They're savvy and, and they get fed so much so fast that they want more of the independence of choosing for themselves based on the content. Yeah, I love that. And just if you don't mind, I'll just wrap off the five fundamentals. Uh, the great storytelling, compelling copy, interesting editorial, excellent music and sound, and motion graphic, graphic styles. Um, can you dive a little deeper into compelling copy versus interesting editorial? Yes. What's the difference? Um, well, you know, copy typically is it kind of combines with our motion graphics is, is what's on screen telling you the story. Is it interesting is it memorable is it clever um excuse me the, the, we don't want to be pedantic with copy right we want something that's additive um so a lot of times is i find the copy works best when there's a theme behind everything like hopefully you can you can get the story across in your editorial but is there a bigger broader theme and what is that and is it is it poised in a way through copy that is memorable that I like, you know, and it might be a funny hook. It might be a serious hook. It might be a thought provoking idea. Um, and if you don't have that, or it's not doing that, you might not need copy, you know, and that's kind of the world that we're in today versus, and you're saying versus editorial, which is um, like Brad Pitt dates. Is that what? <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah. so it's so, you know, sometimes it's just the information you need. When does it come out? Who's starring in it? Who's the director? What other films have they made? You know, we call that pedigree. Right? Yeah. Some some trailers just need some good pedigree, and that's I don't really need a, a whole lot more. Um, 
And then sometimes we need, you know, a copy line that's going to be suggestive of what the film has, what's the backbone of the film, you know, a, a film that that proves it's not where you go in life, it's how you get there. You know, it's like right. ideas like that that might, and, and even at that, I would say, it better be really, really clever today. <laughs> right, yes, yeah, in this fast-paced movie. I mean, now I'm seeing trailers on TikTok. Right. So that's got to right. be like around under a minute. Well, so, yeah, I would, or yeah, less, right? Or less, yeah. right, in real. And, and, and we're stuff. so fast-paced these days. It used to be two and a half minutes was was standard. Now, all of a sudden, if you've seen uh, their, the studios, and this started, I don't know, maybe six years ago even or, or more, is that there's like what we call a bumper before the trailer plays, which is like the highest, fastest, flashiest, craziest thing for six seconds. And now the trailer is going to start, which is that idea that they found that people click off of things so fast these days that if you don't have them in the first few seconds as something that they're interested in seeing, they're probably going to move forward and move on with it, which is strange because in a trail, like sometimes I want the slow open. I want to not know what's happening. I want to be brought into an environment. And and is this going to be a a thriller? Is this going to be an action movie? Is this a drama? Um, And while we still want to get them off the top, how much time do we allow for you to to cast the line and hook them in? Right. Yeah. So let's take a peek at the trailer for The Art of the Trailer. So when you're sitting in a dark movie theater waiting for the film to start and the trailers begin... Do you ever sit and wonder who makes those? Is that a monkey? We make them. Today I'm gonna teach you the art of the trailer. From the concept and scripting, to the design and editorial style, music, to the actual edit. I'm gonna take you through the entire process. I'm also gonna guide you towards launching your own career in the movie trailer business. What would make you a star editor? There are five fundamentals that go into making a great trailer. By the way, there's a great little subtle sound design on the head turn there, a little as they're turning heads that gets you to focus. Do something unique, break boundaries, try things, don't be afraid to experiment because I'm gonna be watching and we're gonna pull the top talent and we're gonna get them interviews at Refinery or companies just like it. Hope to meet you soon. If you want to cut real trailers, get feedback from the pros, and earn an interview at The Refinery, one of Hollywood's leading trailer studios, you're in luck. The Art of the Trailer course is here to skyrocket your editing skills. This 30-day journey offers 14 lessons and 5 challenges to level up your game. And guess what? As a special treat to our listeners, we've got an exclusive 50% discount available until August 4th, 2023. But if you're listening after August 4th, you will receive 20% discount. Head over to maketrailers.com forward slash inner world to enroll today. Don't miss out on this opportunity to unleash your trailer making potential. Wow, that was a great trailer. I think that it really is informative of all the stuff that's going to be in it. And I know that there's going to be more in it, which we will talk about in a second. But um, I just wanted to ask, like, how do you feel this course will help editors level up? their skills. Uh, I think the course really takes it back to basics, you know, so whether you're just starting or you're an experienced editor asking these questions of yourself and your work, I think really helps elevate it. We're the toughest on ourselves, but sometimes it's about asking the right questions of, of trying to be objective with our work. One of the fatal flaws of a trailer editor is that we can actually cut something and then watch it back so many times on a loop 
that it actually starts to make sense to us, right? And so I often encourage people to export a QuickTime, look at it without your timeline, without in not in Premiere, not in Avid, but somewhere else, take a step away from your computer, stand up, move across the room and watch it, or better yet, watch it with someone standing over your shoulder. Because <laughs> all of a sudden you're going to feel the presence of like, ooh, that doesn't work like I thought I, it worked. Or I can't understand that the way I thought I understood it. Because we tend to get in this, once you know what's coming, you can convince yourself it works. Um, and so hopefully some of these questions that you continually ask yourself allow you some objectivity in what you're doing in such a subjective medium. Yeah, I, I really uh, loved how you broke down each of the lessons. There are 14 lessons and I think a little bit more to come. And then yeah. uh, the five challenges. And you really just took a step by step from the creating the deck of the brief, you know, to music design, to storytelling, to what goes in. And then you also incorporated analyzing five movie trailers, which I right. thought was really amazing because now you're applying, as we're learning, you're applying it to these trailers to go, here it is, here it is, here it is, right? Especially, I loved The Last Night in Soho. Um, oh, it's I, a great trailer. And it's a the great way, piece. Yeah, and the way you said that it brings you into the world, out of the world, and I felt that that I could say this trailer was just as good as the movie was. Yes. Or better. I mean, in a perfect world, we, we aim for better. Yes. Yes. And were you, yeah. And so like, what made you come up? Like, how did you decide on the five movies that you were going to use? Uh, honestly, I cheated because <laughs> uh, every year we have the Clio Awards. Uh, and so I looked at the recent Clio Award winners and really chose those. And I've been on the, on the jury many years for the Clios. So I've been through that process and it, which is a fascinating process because it's all of our peers and whether they're at the studio or other agencies, it's everyone doing exactly what we do. And we sit in a room and we kind of hash out why, why this, like, why does this work better than this? Um, and sometimes those conversations get really heated, especially for, for titles like star Wars, where people are like, it's star Wars. You can't screw it up. I'm like, you can screw it up. I think you can screw up anything. We, we've gotten these heated debates because they're like, yeah, but it's expected. It's what you expect of Star Wars. I, and I, I said, well, if you did something else, the fans would hate you. So it's an interesting and what makes a piece award worthy. And that's where I feel like getting into these five things for me of like, does it accomplish these five things to the nth degree really sets it apart and and to me makes it award worthy. And that, and you know, we run into this all the time with animated trailers that a lot of times with animated trailers, you don't have the luxury of adding a whole level of uh, unique editorial on top of it. Like, you know, you're, you're, they're for kids mostly. And so we're trying to create the story and evoke emotion. And so it's an over-reliance on music and over-reliance on really compelling, great storytelling. And sometimes those trailers don't get the credit they deserve because they make it look easy. Yeah. Right. Where there isn't some flashy editorial technique like you might use for an action movie. And right. So sometimes they get overlooked because you're like, well, that just went together. But when you know how good trailers, great trailers come together, sometimes the art of it is not knowing that it was edited. Right. If you can watch a piece and be like, I wasn't even paying attention to the edit. I just was so deep, deeply engaged in the trailer. And to me, we should reward that success. That's success. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and I, I just love that uh, that you walked us through everything. But I was kind of looking for an advanced part of this course where we really dive into how you edit the trailer. Is yeah. that going to be a part of this? And I'm excited to say that is that is happening. Um, and we've gotten some feedback from people who have taken the course in the same thing. And uh, it was always on the agenda to do. Um, but there was so much information that we got through with these first 14 lessons that were like, it might just be too much. And so we're going to go back and uh, we are going to shoot that. We're actually going to, uh, I'm going to take a project from, be from you know, beginning to completion and kind of talk through my steps uh, and showing the timeline and how we put together, like I work in a different way than other people. Uh, everybody has their own unique way of doing it. I always believe that the music is the foundation, is the bed. That's like the bedrock or the foundation of a house that you now stack on. And um, having the cue that you believe in and are emotionally engaged by um, is is essential building block to the success of a trailer. And from there, I go through and I actually pick the bites that tell the story, just the, the dialogue bites. But I tend to turn off all the picture when I start. So I'm editing by ear, not by picture. And what that allows me to do is I, you know, we talked about that rhythm and the cadence to storytelling. It allows me to chop up dialogue lines to fulfill that rhythm. So I understand it without worrying about, oh, that's a jump cut or that's a bad edit or that's a bad visual. I can figure all that out later as long as I know I'm riding the wave in a way that when I close my eyes and just listen to it it sounds right like it feels right I can understand everything it also pops out when a dialogue line is too muddy or you can't understand what they're saying or they say it too fast it becomes inherently obvious because you have no picture to help you and so if I can create that that rhythm and cadence in a way that I like and allows me to um, really listen to, to the uh, percussive movement of the music and and work with that as my foundation if i can get that whole thing and i call it a radio spot right because that's kind of what it becomes if the radio spot feels good then dropping in picture last becomes actually a lot easier than it would any other way to me it might be different for different people so is that because of your musical background literally look leave that away <laughs> <laughs> uh i think so i didn't always edit this way I didn't always edit this way. I feel like when I started, uh, I talked to other editors who were like, oh my God, I need the music first. And from there I build everything. I'm like, well, how do you know what story you're going to tell? Like, how do you, you know? So, I mean, there's multiple processes. Some people like to craft the story first in dialogue, which is fine. I think that's great. If you're like, I, I want this open, I want this closed, I want this turn in the middle. And then I need a couple of pieces of dialogue to get me from point A to point B or a couple of scenes that may or may not have dialogue to get me from point A to point B. And I have those all laid out. Well, now I can put them over here. Now I can build my sound bed and slowly put them in, drop them in where, where need be. But I've had a lot of success and it's always uh, a pain point with my up and coming editors when I tell them, hey, try it this way. And they don't want to do it. No one wants to do it. And yet I find that when they do it and it's successful, um, it's undeniable. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, I was thinking that's the way that I would probably edit is uh, with the music first, because now you have your time, you know, your time of music. And now you're just adding to that versus you can put all your stuff together. You put the music and it doesn't work, you know, correct. Or, you know, a pet peeve of mine. And we all trailer editors have all gone through this at one point or another is that you cut a whole trailer to a piece of music or two. And the client goes, great trailer. I hate that track. Let's pick another cue. Pick something else. And 
as an editor, that's like, you know, it's, it's deafening because you're like, oh my gosh, now I have to, I have to rebuild my whole castle. Yes. And some people will actually take a piece of music and then try to re-edit the music to fit their trailer. And I find that more times than not, that just doesn't work. Like you really have to start, you have to push everything over in the timeline, start clean, take your new piece of music, drop it in, then start to rebuild your trailer. Um, and sometimes we don't have time for that. Right. I mean, you're running a company. You must be very busy. So how do you do it all? Do you still edit or, or are you more like overseeing the edits? Um, mostly I'm overseeing my leadership team who's overseeing the edits. <laughs> okay. They're all brought in time to time. I still love editing and there are definite, definitely projects where I'll come in. I tend to find now if I, if I actually am cutting anything, it's more of an idea. I might take a, a song or cue, whatever, and start dropping in this radio edit to then give to an editor to say, hey, play with this. And I reserve the right to do that when whatever we're doing isn't working. I try not to do that from the get-go unless I'm super passionate about a project. And you know, if it's a music project about a musician or a car project, which I'm a huge car fanatic, I may take a whack at it because it's, it's a passion project. And I think that that's the other way that um, we talk about how to build client relationships. Um, I've often found when we're, when we're asking for work, you know, to go into a client and say, hey, you don't understand, like, I love Ferrari. My whole life is Ferrari. I know the whole history of Enzo Ferrari. And now you're working on a series called Ferrari. You don't understand. It's a bucket list. I have to work on it. Um, and more times than not, that actually works in getting a job we may not have gotten. But it makes sense, right? If someone's truly, truly passionate about something, um, they're probably going to do a pretty great job and probably go to the nth degree to make sure that it's great because it has to be something that they love as well. Now, at this point, are you needing to go out and get clients? Are you more word of mouth now or how does that work? I mean, I think there's some word of mouth, but I, I find that our, our business works so much on relationships, yes. right? It's, it's relationships with clients at studios and streamers and broadcasters. And it is a history of work. And we may have done a trailer in the past that is similar to a movie or a series that, that someone has. They might be like, oh, wait, who cut that? And they find out we cut it. And so they may call us and say, oh, you know, you cut Kong. I have the next Kong versus Godzilla. Maybe, you know, we can get you to work on that. But a lot of times it's still it's still maintaining relationships with clients, trying to pitch for things when you hear about them early. There are definite clients that were in their wheelhouse and and they cycle through, but there's also a lot of agencies in town. There's a lot of competition. Um, so I, 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 yeah, I wish we could rest on our laurels and go word of mouth. I find that the art of um, building the business and getting the work in is as complicated as doing the work. Right, yeah. Uh, so with social media going rampant here, do you, have you found that you, uh, are you asked to cut like for, for social media as well? And that's part? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And we've been doing it for a long time. I, I found that early on, um, we would do these, what we call creative content pieces where they're a mixture of like behind the scenes pieces or fun twists on it. We might shoot some special footage. And we've done that since the birth of the company. And in the beginning, that was always looked at as like the ugly stepchild of the trailer, right? These were, no one wants to do that. The, the, the big weight is in the trailer and seeing it in theaters. And over time, that has grown exponentially, right? Where, where a lot of times people are like, I don't, the trailer's great. I don't want to see anything else. Everything you give me besides that should be additive. It should be 
oh, that's a, a fun viral video that you made about the film or, um, and so, yeah, we have a whole social team that is deployed on almost every project, uh, to create a, a social presence and to come up with concepts and ideas that break the mold and get attention. And, you know, we just worked, uh, on Evil Dead Rise, uh, oh, cool. and we did a whole series of social spots that were all celebrating Mother's Day, which you know, you could imagine what that felt like, but but got a lot of traction. People thought it was hilarious and and disgusting at the same time. <laughs> oh, that's that's great. I mean, I guess it's always just keeping up with the times, right? I mean, yep. business you morph and grow. Are there any projects that you want to talk about that you're working on now? Uh, I don't know what we're allowed to talk about. A lot of times we have NDAs, so okay. until it comes out. But you know, we do a lot of work with Disney. We do a lot of work with. Apple. We do a lot of work with Amazon and Netflix. I mean, we're, we're pretty much across the board. Um, uh, I can say we, we worked heavily on the Meg 2, which comes out soon. Oh, good. So that's, I think that comes out like next week. So close. Oh, that's I think great. I can say that. But um, yeah, I mean, at any given time, there's probably 40 to 50 projects that, that we're working on. So it, it's a lot. That's great. Um, any last thoughts you'd like to share before we close? If trailer editing is something that interests you and you find it fun and you like sitting at the computer for for hours upon hours and days and nights, um, I will tell you, I still laugh that that this is what we get to do for a living because I still find it fun and engaging and crazy. And yes, I still love that we get to see movies and series before they come out, before everyone else. And um, if you love what you do, then you'll never work a day in your life. And I find it to have landed in the career that I have because in college, I didn't even know this existed. Yeah. You know, I think people in college today know it exists, but when I was back in college, I didn't know that this was actually a career path. And so I have a lot of friends who we all went to, to school for filmmaking and a lot of us have made films and some are successful directors and some are successful writers and, and some are not. But I found for myself that the, the turnaround and being able to work on so many projects in, in a so much business flowing through on a regular basis versus one project for like five years, I found that maybe my my ADD-ness, this worked better for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you've done some amazing trailers. So um, check out the video and thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Oh, and one more thing. I forgot one more thing. We did do a whole cycle of the course. We had a competition and we have two interns who are now interning at the refinery as a result of the competition. So it, it's working. Oh, that's great. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Um, because uh, if, as people uh, submit their challenges, um, they have an option to be interviewed. So how do, yep. how do you decide that? And do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, I mean, the benefit of the course is that it's not just a course to get better, but actually could physically be an, an entryway into the business. Um there are a lot of agencies in town and I'm friends with a lot of the other owners or partners of those agencies, but I'm going to, you know, we're excited to incorporate this into refinery because we found some really talented people through, through this program, through this class. Um, and so we encourage you to participate, to submit your trailers to us. We, we don't take it lightly. We evaluate every single one of them and we look for hidden gems and talents. And then we'll choose usually the top 10 and we'll do an interview process because part of Refinery is not only incredible creative, but it's also about the type of people that we have here. And culture for us is is a top, top priority. Um, we are 
deeply invested in our core values uh, and kind is is one of them. Kind and talented and client-focused and ego-free. And these are things that define what makes someone who works at Refinery someone we want to work with. So the interview process is crucial. But I'm super excited to find people, diamonds in the rough, uh, and bring them on. And I hope we can bring a much more diverse group into our world uh, to do what we do. Now, um, who's evaluating these? Do you evaluate them or your team does? My team does. And then brings them to you. (laughs) And then brings them to me. Yeah, yeah. So I have a really talented team of creative directors and also senior editors, right? We've brought in the team, those motion graphic design, a head of motion graphics, head of editorial, um, our head of operations and a creative directors who look and evaluate. So we we take it really seriously and and really value the team's input into what they're seeing and what they're getting from from the talent that we see. Well, great. Well, Thanks again for being on the show. This was Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to get out there and make a film. Reach out to your local filmmakers group to get involved and connect. Please subscribe to the show if you like it and follow me on Instagram at Tammy McGarrow. Until we meet again, what's your story? Come on.